There is nothing more exhausting in sports than discussing who is the greatest of all time at a particular position. So this will be the one and only time I bring it up at any length. We've gotten a heaping helping of talk about what this game means for the two quarterbacks widely considered to be contenders for the title of GOAT, greatest of all time. So let's settle it once and for all. It does not matter at all. And here's why. For something to be the greatest, you have to have some kind of objective measure. Otherwise, your comparisons are going to break down pretty quickly. No problem, says the pundit or the guy sitting on the bar stool. Doesn't really matter which. Tom Brady has five championships. That's more than any other starting quarterback. Even Aaron Rodgers says that usually ends the debate on its own. Wrong. Bart Starr also has five titles to his credit, but there's a bigger problem with that comparison. If rings are the only thing that matter, does that mean Tom Brady only recently became better than Terry Bradshaw? I don't think anybody wants to make that case. And further, do all championships count the same? Why does Tom Brady's first Super Bowl count for his total when he only threw for 145 yards and completed less than 60% of his passes? Bart Starr threw for more yards than that in all but two of his career postseason games, and he played in the Stone Ages of the passing offense. So if championships aren't a perfect metric, what about volume stats or efficiency numbers? Aaron Rodgers beats Brady in a lot of those categories, if not all of them, when you adjust for games played. Does that give him the win? No, because Rodgers isn't even the best of his own era in many of those numbers. Drew Brees is as good or better, to say nothing of other stat compilers like Peyton Manning or Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers. And beside that, the game has changed so much that it's practically like quarterbacks of today are playing a different sport than many of their peers from the past. All that leaves us with, then, is comparisons between what the two do actually on the field, the way they actually carry out their duties as quarterbacks. And once you've reached that point, it's really just about personal preferences as much as anything else. Tom Brady's pocket discipline and almost robotic efficiency makes him as much an act of nature as a quarterback when he's leading a key drive. Stopping him is like trying to hold back the tide. He will overwhelm you in the end. And while Rodgers certainly doesn't match Brady when it comes to terms of pure discipline, he can make throws that Brady would think were unrealistic if he did them in his dreams. So what's clear about both these quarterbacks is this. If you have one of them on your team, you have a chance to win every single game, no matter what, just by the sheer fact of what they are as players. In a lot of ways, they're like great artists. You can debate for hours if Rembrandt was the greatest or whether it's Picasso or Van Gogh, but if you have a painting by any of them on your wall, you've already won. It's better to just appreciate them for what they are than to try to figure out what minute differences there are between the two. So sit back, relax, and just get ready for a show on Sunday night. Here are five things to think about during Sunday's game. Number one, the Patriots were a defensive juggernaut when Tom Brady began his career in New England, but that's not so much the case now. In raw numbers, the Patriots have the 27th ranked pass defense this year, and the advanced stats aren't much better. According to Football Outsiders DVOA metric, they're 17th, not great. In fact, the aggregate totals against the Patriots pass defense actually look a little bit better than their own quarterback. Ten different QBs have thrown a pass against the Patriots so far this season. And when you add them all up, those quarterbacks have completed the same number of passes as Tom Brady and have thrown for more yards, more touchdown passes, and more first downs. 
Number two, the new coordinators for the Packers, Mike Pettin on defense and Joe Philbin on offense, have had plenty of experience against the Patriots in their own careers. Pettin was the defensive coordinator from 2009 to 2013 with the division rivals New York Jets and Buffalo Bills, while Philbin was the Dolphins head coach from 2012 through 2015. Pettin's teams were 3-8 and eight against New England during his time there, and Philbin was just 3-5. and five. Neither has faced New England since the 2015 regular season, though. Number three, Aaron Rodgers started his season with a legendary comeback performance on Sunday Night Football, beating the Bears on one leg and posting a passer rating of 130.7 in the process. Turns out that was an actually an impressive game for a typically hot primetime performer, even for the two-time MVP. Rodgers has a passer rating of 106.2 in road games on Sunday Night Football since Super Bowl 45. That's 10 points higher than his passer rating in all other road games. Rodgers would need to throw 65 consecutive touchdown passes this week to raise his passer rating in all road games to match his passer rating on the road in Sunday Night Football alone. So he's got a little bit of work to do. Number four, if wide receiver Devontae Adams finishes Sunday's game with over 100 yards receiving, he will tie a Packers franchise record by reaching the century mark in four consecutive games. Don Hudson was the first ever to do it in franchise history, doing it in 1945. James Lofton did it in 1982 through 1983, that season straddling two calendar years. If Adams gets over 130 yards this week, he will hold the franchise record with four consecutive games, breaking Lofton's mark of three straight games with that figure in 1984. Adams is one of just four players in the NFL this season with three 130-yard games to his credit. Number five, the Patriots are one of seven teams who have yet to win a game where Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback for the Packers. His only start against New England came the last time the teams met in 2014 when the Packers won 26-21 at home. More on that in a second. The quarterback did appear in relief of Brett Favre in November 2006 and actually broke his foot in that game and missed the rest of the season. The Packers lost that week 35 to nothing at Lambeau Field. Rodgers was also recovering from a concussion when Green Bay last traveled to New England in 2010. So who's going to be an X-factor for the Packers this week? Well, facing Tom Brady, a defense's secondary is always a bit of a question mark, but that's especially true for the Packers this week. Brian Gutekunst made a major move when he traded away safety HaHa Clinton Dix to the Washington Redskins earlier this week, and he left the Packers with a bit of a hole in the back end of their defense. That hole will be filled, at least in part, by Tremont Williams, and at least for this week. Who knows what the future could hold. For now, Williams is a corner by trade, but has previously played a bit of safety for defensive coordinator Mike Pettin when he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, and Williams was there with him. He'll be a player to watch as the Packers try to slow down the Patriots' passing attack this week. What happened last time the Packers and Patriots played? Well, as we mentioned, the Packers went 12-4 and in the 2014 regular season, and their crown jewel of their pre-playoff slate had to be their 26-21 win over the Patriots on November 30th. The Packers outplayed the Patriots in all three phases of the game that night. Aaron Rodgers was a masterful 24-38 of 38 for 368 yards passing and two touchdowns, 
One of those two touchdowns, a spectacular 45-yard catch and run by Jordy Nelson after he shook loose from Darrell Rivas. Eddie Lacy piled up 115 yards from scrimmage, including 98 on the ground against the league's ninth-ranked run defense. Devontae Adams, then a rookie, posted the first 100-yard game of his career that day. He had 121 yards on six catches. The defense, meanwhile, largely contained Tom Brady and finished the game with a pulverizing sack, which all but ended the Patriots' last push for points. So who's going to win this time around? Well, the Patriots are 6-2, and two, but like the Packers, they're not necessarily what their record shows them to be. Three of their six wins have come against teams who currently boast sub-500 records. And they were roughly handled by the Jacksonville Jaguars early in the season when people still thought the Jaguars were good. Now, that's not to say the Patriots aren't dangerous. At 41 years old, Tom Brady went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and came out on top. And then he had another solid game against a very good Chicago Bears defense a week later. He can still do it. But I can't shake the feeling that the Packers can win this game and maybe even win comfortably if they play like they did a week ago. That's a big ask, of course. But this team seems ready to get over the hump. I'll take the Packers coming out on top, 28-24. to Let's talk for a second about how we've done our polls as we turn to some survey updates. We've made some changes behind the scenes in the way we've sorted this data. So they're going to come across a little bit more like true approval ratings now than they have in the past. For wins, we're going to call the newly tweaked metric win confidence. And to that end, our voters' confidence in the Packers is currently a 59 out of 100. That's the second lowest mark of the season so far, but still significantly higher than last week's mark of 45 against the Rams. As to the approval ratings themselves, everybody got a bump last week after the loss to the Rams, but Brian Gutekunst jumped the most. He's currently sporting a weighted approval rating of 87.5, up about 8% over last week. Mike McCarthy's rating, meanwhile, is still the lowest at 54.5, up just two points over a week prior. He also asked voters to give their thoughts on the Packers' two trades this week. 94% of voters agreed with the decision to trade running back Ty Montgomery. And while the move to send HaHa Clinton Dix to Washington was a bit more controversial, 80% of voters still agreed with that decision. One last thought. We've harped on the Packers' backup center spot for almost two years now. Yes, it's been a lonely battle. No one else really cares or even bothers to talk about it. But this could be where problems really start to pop up in that area. Corey Lindsley was limited in practice today, Thursday, the day we record this. And although he says he's going to play on Sunday, any missed time could be disastrous. The Packers are currently carrying no other centers on their roster right now. And even if Lucas Patrick can do the job, he almost certainly wouldn't be the player that Lindsley is. Lindsley hasn't missed a single offensive snap so far this season, and now would be an especially bad time to start. How will that affect the Packers on Sunday? We will see, and we'll be there afterwards to record a podcast for you dark and early, uh, probably after midnight, for you to have when you wake up on Monday. Looking forward to this game. I hope you are as well. Be sure to continue to follow us on social media and at thepowersweep.com as we prepare for this game. We're looking forward to it, and we hope you are too. We'll see you Monday. Go Packers. Blue, 58, 